The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, you guys, so we have a very, very well-known guest on the show today, someone that I know I grew up watching uh, doing some of the craziest, most insane stunts uh, on a little show called Jackass uh, that started on MTV back in the day. Uh, and he is currently filming Jackass 4, uh, which I cannot wait to see. And he is a fellow member of the Society of Recovering Addicts, celebrating 12 years sober as well, which is phenomenal. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Steve-O. Uh, let me introduce everybody, if you don't know everyone. Obviously, uh, you probably know Miss Cheryl Burke from Dancing with the Stars. Uh, my longtime best friend and mentor, Renee Elizondo, amazing songwriter, director. And uh, you might know me from this little band called the Backstreet Boys. So it's just a very small band, very, very small. Uh, we're still trying to make it. Um, or but, maybe uh, he's a dancer, now that you just did Dancing on the Stars. Maybe he knows you as a ballroom dancer. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, ballroom dancer as well. But uh, I think the Backstreet Boy thing looks a lot better on me. <laughs> um, but dude, man, welcome to the show. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me. Um, I understand you guys are uh, still relatively new in the podcast space. But Very much. Yes. Blasted onto it with uh, incredible momentum. So congrats. Thank well, you. I, I've Thank said you. this before, but I have to say it again. Um, we keep hitting new high water marks. Like m- my my brother in law said, I heard you have Steve on, and he goes, "How'd you guys get him so fast?" <laughs> so so welcome. Well, that was a that was a a long time wish from me. I'm a I'm a massive fan, um, and I have definitely followed your incredible journey, dude. I mean, you've you are like a walking miracle in many, many ways, uh, both physically and spiritually and mentally. Um, you know, I don't know how you, uh, are still standing with half the (laughs) shit that you've done, but, uh, but you know, I mean, dude, like you've been sober for, was it 12 years now? Yeah. Yep. Coming up on 13. Congratulations, congratulations. man. Yeah. Thank you. I just, I I just celebrated one year. I just celebrated one year, um, which is, crazy i've been in the rooms for about 20 years but uh i could never seem to get it right and uh finally seem to be doing it right this time but uh dude i mean uh you know oh i just have to say one thing um i'm glad that you don't do as much of the clown thing anymore because that (laughs) that's my biggest fear in life is clowns wait literally terrified terrified wait what Uh, is clown school steve-o what what is it It yeah like i've never heard of it yeah, it was um, it was called Clown College. Oh, sorry, sorry. And uh, it was less like college than it was like boot camp. It Got was it. Uh, 
a relatively short program. But to answer the question, um, I think that the, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus was older than Coca-Cola. I mean, it went back to the 1800s. Yep. Um, but when uh, this guy named Irvin Feld purchased it in 1968, the average age of clowns was like 55 years old. And he was like, wow. you know, I can't have these, these old clowns. I got to figure out a, a way to get younger and new clowns. And so they started uh, Clown College in 1968. And um, I graduated in 1997. That's so cool. That was the last year they ever had it. So. Can, can you oh, give wow. us, Steve-O, can you give us, let's say, three top points that they taught you? Like, like what does a clown learn? You, you have to be funny, right? Obviously, that's number one, I imagine, yeah. or no? Uh, they, they encourage funny. Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> yeah. They, they do encourage that. The only thing that we had to learn was stilt walking. Oh. Wow, that was, how was uh, that? Uh, it, it was pretty mellow, you know, uh, I, uh, I, I, we all learned pretty easily. Um, was it hard? Uh, no. And, and we, we, we walked on like little three foot stilts. So oh, okay. uh, I can barely stand on a freaking chair, let alone trying to do it on two legs. You can you walk know. in heels, AJ. What are you talking about? That, no, that, that is true. I can't. Yeah. Do you pick? Do you pick what kind of clown you want to be? Is that up to you? Because there are different types, right? There's there like, are. There's the white face, yeah. the Auguste clown. Um, it was actually uh, pretty cool the way they did it. On the first day of clown college, they uh, they told us that they were not going to instruct us how to put on our makeup, but rather they were just going to give us makeup kits and we were going to figure it out from scratch all on our own wow. so they no gave a tutorial it, nothing 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 whatsoever and they gave us uh our makeup kits and then um just told us to give it our best shot and they were um really delighted when we got done to to take pictures of our first attempts because uh it's hard to respect when you don't know how how a little bit of grease paint goes such a very long way. And, yeah. and everybody was just a complete mess, a total disaster. <laughs> but that was the process. You know, the first attempt was awful. And then the second one may be a little bit better. And we just put on makeup every day for like two months. They need to do a documentary on this. This is fascinating. It's, I mean, it's yeah. actually that's a great idea. Cheryl. It's mind it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing to me. Like did now did your did your character or clown have a name? Or was it yeah. your name? Um, the way that they did it at Clown College, they uh, encouraged us to use our own names. Like the idea of uh, like Bubbles the Clown or anything like that, they felt that, uh, they felt that this was a legitimate art and something that we should be very proud of and uh, that we should be proud enough of our clowning to use our real names Oh, that's so and, cool. I, and I said, cool. So I'm Steve on the clown. Nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, and it's a name that has stuck for generations now because right. I mean, you know, so I, I, when did you first meet Knoxville? Like how, how, how old were you and how did you guys meet? I met him, uh, on December 30th of 1999. No way. And I know that specifically because uh, I was, um, and, and, and prior to that, what brought us all together as personalities was a, a skateboarding magazine called Big Brother. And um, it was a, a, a skateboarding magazine which celebrated just sort of naughty, irreverent stuff. It was kind of reckless and crazy. And uh, they had a cast of characters that they regularly featured who did not skateboard at all, you know, namely Knoxville and me. And, and uh, so I, I graduated from Clown College and I did not get uh, a contract with the circus. So I ended up working on uh, Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines no as way. a circus con. Yeah. And, and, and while I was um, working on, uh, on the cruise lines I, and, and I would be walking on the stilts, I'd be working on four foot stilts, uh, 
up on the like the top deck with the swimming pool and stuff. And I remember like having like a constant anxiety and fear that somehow like a, a strap would come undone or something and I would fall down on my stilts, you know. When or go feet, or fall overboard. Yeah. Right. When with your feet four feet above the ground, that makes me ten feet tall. And so it, right. it, was, it was legitimately kind of scary. And uh, I ultimately got fired from that job. And uh, and and after that, I reached out to the guy in charge of the skateboard magazine, and I said, um, you know, hey man, like uh, I've been, I've, you know, I've been so so afraid of uh, falling down on stilts that I want to do it on purpose for a stunt. And so oh, wow. here's, here's my idea. I said, I'm going to have a stilt costume, which, uh, which I'm going to set on fire. And <laughs> while my stilt costume is on fire, I'm going to have a unicyclist ride through my stilts at, at the same time as a skateboarder jumps off a roof over my head and through a fireball that I'm blowing out of my mouth and that at that moment with the skateboarder right above my head and the unicyclist in between my stilts and the fireball and everything that'll be a dope shot we can make it like uh the cover of big brother magazine this was this was what uh the, my, my highest goal at the time and uh the guy Jeff Tremaine he said he loved the idea and um and I was like right on okay cool so I'm going to fly myself out to California to make it happen. And I, I, I bought my stilts and I had these stilt costumes made. And I, and I just got myself out to California. And um, when we showed up, we all met at this spot where, you know, the, and uh, the, the guy in charge, Jeff Tremaine, we, and Knoxville was there and everything. And he said, okay, I waited until you got here to tell you that this isn't going to be for big brother magazine that actually we're making a pilot for mtv wow wow and, uh, that's so awesome yeah, serendipitous so, <laughs> yeah it was pretty cool um that you know and i think that by by certain by showing that initiative and really going to mm -hmm. those banks that 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 uh it's it's solidified my role do you know uh, what do you know what i do you know what i love i love these stories like this, right, where someone says they're going to light themselves on fire on stilts while the <coughs> skateboarder and then the parents usually are like, you're never going to go anywhere with that. You know, like the kids that be like that become professional gamers. Right. Once right. in a while, the parents usually want them to do something else. But who would have thought it would lead to all of your success? What, what well, do your parents think? I mean, I know your dad. Um, I saw your dad in your uh, stand-up comedy last night when I was oh, watching cool. it. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, so you know, cool. it, it, what's so great, like I said, this happened in 1999. And um, it was well over a year before that <clears throat> that my dad initiated a conversation with me where he said, I have to tell you, I believe I've done you a major disservice by not supporting you in this career path that you've chosen. He says, mm. clearly, you're not doing what I would have chosen for you. <laughs> but, right. but it's evident to me that you're that you're committed to it. And, uh, you know, I just like, I, you know, I, this is what you want to do. And I support I want you to know that I support you. And I want to help awesome. you do the best. And uh, that put a lot of wind in my sails. Yeah. And, uh, That's awesome. and then, I mean, hats off. I mean, you know, it's it's really fascinating to me because, like I said, I have followed your journey. I've read about your story. You are extremely inspiring um, to a lot of young people and to, you know, uh, people that want to. Because, you know, there's been copycats of Jackass. No one is Jackass. You guys are and, and will forever be the OG. And there's been wannabe copycats, but no one can do it quite like you guys. But what's fascinating to me is that, you know, you've done it both sober and not sober. And awesome. here you are, 12 years sober, and you guys are in the, right, right now just started filming, right? Jack, you know, Jackass 4. We actually and, started uh, before the pandemic. And then okay, got okay, down, nice. Yeah. Oh, so it just, it just blows my mind that 
your that like some of the stuff that you did when you clearly were not in the right headspace compared to now they're equally as crazy but it just seems like obviously you're going to remember what you did this time around or feel it <laughs> or feel it a little bit differently this time around compared to before but uh, i'm just curious um you know what what initially took you down the kind of dark path that you went down i mean what was kind of the you know catalyst would you say i mean uh i think uh i I come from a long line of alcoholics Mm. and and addicts and all that i I don't know that it ever matters uh like why or or how one you know becomes an alcoholic but uh yeah I, i was you know i mean I don't have an answer for that. I think, uh, if anything, I, I suspect that I was just born that way. And, uh, you know, um, other than that, the, I, uh, that's just how I always was, you know, I mean, before Jackass ever started, I had demonstrated, uh, major addiction, you know, I, I would like Jackass came out in the year 2000. My first trip to rehab was in 1995. <laughs> so, so there's no there's no pegging it to uh, right. You know, Do you know, Steve? I was going to say. So we're in recovery. That's part of why our show's called Pretty Messed Up. We we've all seen the darkness, you know, and live to tell about it. I remember there was a time for me where I didn't want to get sober. I I enjoyed the drugs, and there were times where I'd try to get sober, and I would think, God, I wish I could get into an accident right now so I could legitimately take painkillers where today I fear that I could get in some kind of accident and have to tempt the devil, which is what it is. You, I'm sure you know that, right? Having to take. So how do you, how do you, how do you feel about like getting in an accident and do you, do you fear that you might have to get back on painkillers for it? You know? Um, Well, there's a, I've been fortunate that um, that for all the surgeries, all the accidents, like um, I've never filled out a prescription for a painkiller. You know, like wow, um, Your that blows me away. Crazy. Yeah, I uh, my my rule is that when I'm in the hospital, of course, I have to be you know put under for, uh, general anesthesia for surgery. So I'm not going to you know argue with that. Uh, and if, uh, whatever's going on, whatever the procedure is that it, it calls for them to give some kind of painkiller into my IV, I don't even argue with that. It's just that once I'm out of the hospital Mm -hmm. post-op, yeah. Yeah. Once I'm out of the hospital and, uh, I I don't want to be in possession of any kind of painkillers. I don't want I've never even filled out the prescription. That's amazing. That is, that's huge. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, there's a lot of people out there, I'm sure that, that couldn't do that, but hats off to you for, remember, for knowing, just knowing, you know? Now I remember, uh, my first, uh, my first experience with general anesthesia after getting sober, uh, I, I'm going to guess that it was, maybe it was 2008. I don't know. Cause that's when I got sober was 2008. Sounds about right. But uh, I have um, an esophageal condition called Barrett's esophagus. And uh, it's, it, it puts me at high risk for esophageal cancer. So it's gotta be, um, it's, it's gotta be monitored with a procedure called an endoscopy where they put like a thing, you know. And so yeah. for these procedures, I get, I get knocked out with general anesthesia. And the first time I had an endoscopy in sobriety, as I came to, I was like, I was sobbing, like, like just, and and they were, they they couldn't understand why I was so upset as I woke up from, from the anesthesia. Uh, And, you know, they asked me what what was wrong. And I said, while sobbing, I said, feeling this way ruined my life. (laughs) Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was really, truly upset about (sighs) how, how, uh, how much I, I enjoyed that, you mm-hmm. know, the, that feeling. And um, so I think that that, 
you know, that being my first experience with that, and it ended up setting me so much, it really instilled a great respect and fear of, uh, of any, you know, anything putting me on a slippery slope in that regard. Do you, do you have, uh, do you at this stage feel any gravitational pull to a drink or to, you know, whatever, whether it's pot or anything, or do you at this stage just feel so happy to be away from all of that? I, uh, you know, the, the, I'm never want to be complacent in, in any regard. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I don't know. Like when I smell marijuana, for example, and I, mean, right. I noticed that last night one of my neighbors was like smoking some pot and, and, and I thought, man, like I, I got to get, get the hell out of here and, you know, get, get back inside. And it was wow. clear to me every time it, it's clear to me. It's not that that uh, I don't like it. Problem is that I do like it. Mm. You know, that's yeah, why yeah. I, like, I love the smell of marijuana. Mm-hmm. And uh, I gotta get the hell away from it. You know, at I, least it, you know. At least you realize yeah. it and you feel it and you admit it. Yeah, it, it it legitimately upsets me to to smell it because I like it. You know, so so I think that that would qualify as a yes that I feel some kind of a pull towards it. You know, like I recognize that I love the smell and and I just can't be around it. That's Um, a healthy fear though. That's a healthy fear to have, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I I think so too. Um, And uh, the, the, the other thing about it too is that by the virtue of smelling it and like, you know, it, it, it's the, it's like it's entering my body, you know, like I'm, right. I'm, I'm yeah. breathing it in, totally. you know, yeah. which is one step, like one, one very significant step, like more, uh, more of a threat to me than if somebody's drinking alcohol around me. Totally. You know? I like, feel uh, you. Yeah. Like, that, that's how I am. Like if I, like if my friends for the first time I got sober, which was for about just, just shy of seven years, for the first couple of years, I couldn't even go out to like a friend's birthday party in any kind of a bar environment just because just seeing it or, you know, smelling it on, on someone's breath, you know, that would just take me back to that moment and I would just freak out. And yes, like you said, it's because we, we, we do like it. We, we don't want it, but you know what I mean? At some point it's gonna, you know, if you keep dangling the carrot, you're going to take a bite. You know, so I like I like the way it made me feel, not necessarily drinking the alcohol. Yeah, I like well, the it tastes effect. like shit. I mean, alcohol well, is yeah. it's gross. It doesn't. There's no good alcohol that tastes good. Some people uh, love alcohol. Some people, yeah. Do. You know what's crazy? Alcohol. Like uh, I had a pretty intense experience um, going to the movie theater and watching the documentary about Amy Winehouse, mm-hmm. like. Of any documentary, I think that that put substance abuse in such a bad light. I mean, and I remember, I remember walking out of the movie theater, having just seen that documentary, and and thinking like, "Man's messed up," but like that really made me want to get high. <laughs> you know, like, totally, yeah. actually. It's totally. like, you know, I mean, and I, and I kind of chuckled at it. I recognized that, wow, that's like, if ever there was an indication that I am truly an addict, the fact that I feel triggered, like, and I feel an urge to get high after being, you know, yeah. exposed to that. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's, it's sort of, um, you know, it, it drives home the insanity of the disease. I've and done that, that, like that driving. I, I bring that up because to be, you know, to be in a in an environment like, I mean, generally, if you're the sober guy at a bar and everybody's loaded, you know, that you would imagine that there's nothing much uh, appealing, right. you know, about it. It's like people are like, they're, they don't, you know, as people get loaded, they just become sort of pitiful and uh but you know that's the insanity of it and so it it says you know in uh 
this book that like the, it's not that we can't go to weddings or, or it's any put ourselves in any situation where people are drinking it's just that before we go into that situation we have to ask ourselves do we have a legitimate purpose for being there you know and if the answer is yes then by all means you know we mm. we, we, we go wherever we, we don't hide from anything right exactly. and i think that that has to do right with with being involved in, in your program, in your recovery. I know for me, I have to get up in the morning. I have to do my prayers, my meditation, talk to other addicts and alcoholics, go to meetings. AJ and I go to the same meeting. My question to you is during this pandemic, have you been able to stay in touch, Zoom meetings or whatnot? Um, I, I, as you know, in general, stay pretty plugged in. Um, Love it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, there's um, yeah, and I I'll, I'll I'll keep it kind of vague, but but yeah, I definitely um, I, I definitely have managed to stay plugged into my program. Yeah, sure. this has been you know it's like like I've said to a lot of my friends that have asked me how I how I how I was able to put together a year, and you know for me the silver lining during this pandemic is the fact that I'm off I'm off the road I'm not in a tour mode where I'm where usually when I would leave to go on the road is when my on the flight my brain's already figuring out how I'm going to call my dealer where I'm going to get loaded that night how I'm going to try to get away with it and lie to my wife and do all that bullshit and to be home and to not have anything going on and to be able to focus on myself has been a, an absolute blessing. I mean, be able to go to Zoom meetings, the same meeting every day since we started lockdown back in March. I mean, it's, you know, they say 90 and 90. This has been like 400 and 400 or, you know, however many days it's been. It's like, Not quite far, we, but. I know, you know what I mean? I know, I suck at math, all right, shut up. But um, no, but I mean, you know, this, that's, that's why I said earlier, Steve, is, is that you are a huge inspiration because people, people look at what you do with jackass and how insane it is and how crazy it is and i'm sure those people out there that don't know your story are going god you got to be messed up to do that kind of stuff like you got to be on something or you got to be whatever and yet here you are stone cold sober very well spoken super intelligent guy and you're doing it for 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 the for the fun of it and for the entertainment and you've got a family with those guys that you've created that, you know, you guys would never, you know, turn your backs on each other, which is amazing. I mean, that's like me and my bandmates, 27 years together, how we've not killed each other. I don't know, but <laughs> almost, sure. you know, almost a couple of times, but you know, so uh, hats off to you, man. I mean, honest yeah. to God. Would you say really? that you're an adrenaline junkie? Nah, just an attention whore. <laughs> uh, well, hey. <laughs> Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married yeah. at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous <laughs> of your generation yeah. that didn't have to deal yeah. with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. We create magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. 
And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. Came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you guys resumed filming now, or uh, are you guys back back at it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of attention whore, how was your experience on Dancing with the Stars? Uh, it was uncomfortable, man. I know, you know right? It's still was... uncomfortable for me, and I'm a professional, which is weird. Yeah, it was... Uh... Yeah, I mean, God, it was, it was just a crazy situation because when... Uh, this is back in season eight, you guys. Yeah, it was, I, was, I was very nearly sober. When I, when I signed up for oh Dancing God. with the Stars, uh, I had less than a year of sobriety. Oh, that's wow. AJ. That's yeah. what AJ that was the same for me, and let me tell you... And I almost made you... <laughs> there was a couple of late night, like, after I was done with rehearsal, oh. where, I, where I was like, God, I want to drink right now. I'm so stressed because, you know, there was I, a lot. You know. I, yeah, oh, I dude, big time. Big Holy time. Crap. I mean, I remember, uh, I mean, and there's a lot to this. Um, <laughs> it, was, uh, it, it was It was. pretty striking that when I first got sober, you know, the idea that recovery is all about, uh, you know, deflating the ego, you know, sort of like, and the idea of being Steve-O and having this, you know, pursuit of fame is, was so kind of antithetical to the idea of recovery. It was like, wait, can I even continue to have a career in the entertainment industry and be in recovery? Like these two ideas are so at odds with each other that I really didn't know if, uh, if it made sense to. And uh, clearly my priority was, was on... Um, on recovery so when the idea came up to be on dancing with the stars i remember thinking okay well the question mark is whether i should be doing anything in entertainment to begin with and here's this dancing with the stars which kind of gives me the opportunity to just dip my toe in the water you know like it doesn't require me to do anything like reckless or crazy you know like so 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 there's that like i don't have to do any traveling you know like i was living in a halfway house and uh i was able to just you know do my rehearsals like half a mile up the road from my actual halfway house it was all in a very safe you know, environment, I could, you know, I, I could do that and absolutely make recovery my number one priority. And it, it sort of put me in the, you know, like everything just said, everything made sense to me, you know, like I could kind of like just sort of dip my toe in this entertainment stuff, doing something that's healthy, kind of getting exercise and, 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 and check it all out. So that was why I went for it. And then, then you I, did it. I, yeah. And then, and then I remember being in my halfway house and it was, it was the night before the season premiere. And I remember like just this panic attack, like this panic attack. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I had the strongest urge to just, just back out. Like I can't do it. And in hindsight, you know, even at that time, it's, it, it struck me as really odd that, from what I understand, nobody has ever backed out. 
you know, like the, the pressure just seemed, it, it seems like uh, I was just so scared. And, and, and like, you know, in one sense, it made it, it, it was perfectly appropriate for me to do it. But then the flip side of that was that now in front of an audience over over 20 million people. Right. That changes things like, a bit. In, yeah, in, that was in, crazy. In real time, you know, like live. live yeah, live. Yes. is what you get. And, and, I'm, and, and I'm doing something that I'm just awful at. <laughs> you know, like. I people mean, loved you, man. People I, loved you. I, I, I was that. I was legitimately awful at it. And, and um, you know, there's something to be said. I think I lasted six weeks. And, and yeah. like I was, which is out. huge. The, the only the only dancer that was less uh, talented at I guess the only worst dancer would have been Steve Wozniak. No way. <laughs> how about how about uh, Master P, who never put dance shoes on? He just refused. He only wanted to wear P Miller shoes and didn't dance. He just stood well, there. Right, but he was not my season. The one like on my oh. season. Oh. Oh yeah, Steve was, yeah. Steve was the actor. Yeah, it was a little different when I did it because obviously it was dur- it's right in the middle of a pandemic, so there's no live audience. But that fear, by you know, the way, though, is normal. Oh, I mean, even even it, coming from AJ, you know, you would think that he would be fine, but he was freaking well, nervous. Hell, no. I still well, get opening nervous. night, Shit. opening night, I, we had to open the show, and I was literally oh, like yeah. shitting bricks. <laughs> like I was like, this is so because look, you know. I've done what I do for 30 plus years. And there was no audience. I've never done ballroom dancing. So I had to reprogram everything that, I, that I've known my entire life. And then, you're right, it's in front of 20 million people live. And I'm like, okay, here you we go. What, though? You know what, here, here's the thing. I love that it's being talked about early sobriety, unless you've been through it, right? Most people don't understand it. Thank God they could count their lucky stars. To be early in sobriety means you're incredibly self-conscious. It means you're incredibly insecure. It means that you wish you had the escape from drugs or alcohol to just retreat to, right, in a place. Yeah, I think you can can sum it up to say that you're just very uncomfortable in your own skin. Which is why I drank for the first, I drank for the first 15 years. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually numbed. And I I would say that to, I would say that to AJ, I would say, I, I want you to appreciate and understand that it's not normal to be inside of your first year doing what you're doing and right. to with you the stars. say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a it, that's a like, big. It was, it was it, like looking back on it, I consider that it was a very very dangerous like ri- risk that I took. Oh, and, and but, I went, but you should be proud of yourself though for getting through it. I mean that's. Yeah. I don't think I yeah I don't think I would recommend anybody to dance <laughs> no. with I, yeah, I appreciate no. I I appreciate that you can reflect on it and I love that you said deflating the ego right because that that is it, as long if that ego stays intact we're going to relapse and then so and then now you have people saying can I get you a towel can I do this all the things that want to spark that ego right? right so both of you what an incredible experience that both of you did dancing with the stars inside of your first year and survived it. That I know. Amazing. Seriously. I remember. That takes some balls. I remember reaching out to somebody, uh, somebody with a lot of recovery that I think they you know, had like 18 years of sobriety at that time. And, uh, I just re- and I just reached out and I said, Hey man, like, I, I'm, I'm just don't, I don't feel okay. You know, I had just the, the, the pressure of it. And, and looking back, I was dumb, what a dumb thing. No, but it's so real. Right. But I, I, I couldn't handle like the amount of just pressure and discomfort. Like it was just, yeah, I was just freaking out. And it's uh, just that you become that world. It's like, there's nothing right. else. And it's like, yeah. everything relies on this one thing. I'm like, yo, right. so, so I reached out to this guy and, and I told him that I just, I did, I did not feel okay. Nothing felt okay. You know, like I'm not okay. And, uh, and I'll never forget it. It helped so much. And I'd love to share this with, with people. Um, I, he's, the guy said, Hey man, it's okay. It's okay. You know, like, uh, you're not always going to feel good. You know, in fact, sometimes you're going to feel bad. That's just how, that's just how it works. But the one thing 
that will always help is to, to conduct yourself as a gentleman. Since that will always, you know, like that will always help because no matter, no matter how bad you feel, no matter what you feel bad about, if you carry yourself and conduct yourself like a gentleman, then you've got that to feel good about. Totally. <laughs> hey. It's that nice. is awesome, actually. That's yeah. a really great advice. That's, that's, that's a good advice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to use that from now on, if I, if I may. Sure. Just to, you know, because, I think yeah. That, uh, I think that um, that's sort of another way of saying we build, a, we build self-esteem through esteemable acts. Yes, that's sir. So like, uh, that's so true. That's so true. Yes, sir. Do you know, uh, Steve-O, I, early on, I, I, my sponsor asked me to, to um, uh, substitute the word alcoholism because I just couldn't wrap my head around it, right? And he said, with piece of shitism. And I said, okay. that I could relate to. That I could relate to. He said, okay, so our goal here is to get self-esteem, just like you just said, right? And thank God I don't feel that way anymore. I could look at myself in the mirror today. I'm sure there were times every single person on the podcast right now couldn't look at themselves in the mirror, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For I sure. avoid it. And today, thank God, I... I don't feel like that worthless piece of crap that I used to feel like. In fact, before I ever even touched drugs or alcohol, I was already suffering from piece of shitism. Sure. You know? Mm, so, yeah. No, that's the reason why you drink, right? That void. Yeah. It, was, of course. it helped for sure. I didn't have to worry about being self-conscious. or. It was a Band-Aid, you know? That. Yeah. yeah. So sure. let's ask the question, you guys, that everyone wants to know. You want to take the lead, AJ, here? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say the word treadmill and just let you go from there. Oh. I mean, I'm just gonna let you go. I'm just gonna say the word treadmill and just see what happens. Yeah, I can't really <laughs> talk too much about it. I, I, it would be frowned upon if uh, if I peeled back the curtain on that. No, but no you're worries. but you're doing okay. But you're a fine. Clearly, clearly you're uh, fine. Well, yeah. I mean, but you're sitting it, down. The, the, the timing of uh, of all these stories. Um it is pretty late you know like that that right. the, the thing in question happened uh before the shutdown oh mm. wow yeah so it, yeah it, it's uh so, 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 you're like old news you're like yeah yeah you know it's <laughs> all like, it's oh, done can you ask me something current yeah like well, uh, here's, here's a question so we can't talk about treadmills i don't like treadmills so that's fine with me but <laughs> he never um, yeah he's never even he uh, can't even spell it what are w would you be able to tell us one or two things where you you said you know what that's a really bad idea that stunt um, okay stapling yeah, I mean, your ball sack to your inner thighs i mean come on that cannot be okay or feel good Sorry, yeah that, that, that was really... that was pretty minor um minor <laughs> yeah one that uh one that i'd uh, opted out of was um the idea was to get duct taped to a mechanical bull Oh, like like real heavily duct taped to it and um i just saw that as a threat to my spinal cord you know? uh, yes. oh yes so, yeah so like, wait it, how uh, was it being duct taped to your um the, uh, your yeah, the billboard? billboard yeah the billboard yeah cool. wait yeah. Were, were you really there that whole time uh i mean it, actually i was up there for a hair under two hours i think Still, though, I mean, your ball sack must have froze and then you stapled it. That's how you did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it was, uh, it was the, the, the whole first hour. Nobody seemed to to be responding. Like, I remember thinking like, oh, no, maybe nobody's going to care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who, gave you, who gave you the coffee? Uh, I uh, we had like a, a, a little string set up so I would lower it down and oh, that's pull amazing. it back that's up. <laughs> I was like, that's oh, awesome. that's so sweet of them, you know, yeah. giving him coffee, making sure he feels good. And then about an hour into it, they uh, put me on the Citizen app. And uh, and it was just like, boom. I don't know, it's a Citizen app is uh, something that, that uh, it's like a neighborhood watch kind of oh, thing. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. They put you on uh, it. Yeah, it somehow went very, um, I went very viral. Oh, yes. for sure. Yes, you did. Yes, and, you uh, did. And all of a sudden, I got all the attention that, that Wait, I Wait, question. After. Did you really swallow that condom? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Both oh, my God. 
Yeah. Both times? Yeah, is that really the old condo? That was yeah, the condo. Exactly. Oh my God, I gagged in my mouth. Like, <laughs> literally. Thank you. And I, I Your dad say, was there. I want to say thank you for watching that. What, what oh about? my God, I had a, it was so good. You guys need to watch it. It's so no, good. I've seen it. No, it's fan. It's, it's so it's good. So, it's just, it's, it's just so real. Mind blowing. It's just, it, it's just real and raw, which is. And it, you're really funny, by the way. Well, yes, you are you. absolutely hilarious. I, I appreciate that so much. Was there ever anything you were ready to go and raring to go and some a loved one talked you out of it? Like your fiance? Uh, or are you guys now married? Because I don't know what new news is. Yeah, we're, we're, we're still engaged. Oh, okay, good. Um, something that my loved one talked me out of. I feel like there's there's got to be something. Being naked. Um, she, uh, yeah, my, my fiance... Uh, she didn't like me showing my wiener too. I much. get it. <laughs> I wouldn't want my husband to do that. That seems I get fair. Mad. Nobody needs to see mine, period. So it's fine. <laughs> it, like ever. Right. Or mine. <laughs> right. Ah. Uh, but. Or let me change. Let me change the question. Is there anything that you've done that once you have kids that you'll feel like oh, I wish I hadn't done that? Uh, Besides. You know, obviously, my child knows that that I'm in recovery. She knows I used to drink and do drugs. She knows I'm not ashamed of it. You know, but are there any stunts or anything that you feel like? Uh, fortunately, you know? fortunately, I don't have to worry about that because uh, I did a stunt uh, for my new tour called the Vasectomy Olympics. Oh my God, that's so, <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah, that speaks for itself. So that that there's your answer, Renee. I mean, that's yeah, pretty no, no. much. And it wasn't it wasn't uh, so much an exercise in avoiding having to reveal anything to children. Um, it was uh, just kind of across the board, um, starting with my DNA. You know, like not that that's a reason to not have kids but any kid that i have is just going to be such an uncomfortable person <laughs> that that uh that's a consideration um you know there's like for all the work i do in recovery still like i think my uh my default setting is selfish and self-centered <laughs> you know mm -hmm. uh the the fact of uh you know, the dwindling opportunity in the world, you know, like it's kind of a dark and, and sad thing to say, but uh, for my parents going to university and graduating, that meant placement in a career of their choosing, you know, and then mm -hmm. came my, my generation. Uh, and, you know, it, it, I think it helped a lot, you know, like, uh, but there was no guarantee for my generation that graduating from university was going to place you anywhere. And then now, like, uh, the, the, this next generation, it just feels like nothing but just debt, you know, and like here, millennials are the first generation which don't stand a chance of being as prosperous as their parents were. And that's the first generation of Americans for whom that's reality. That like, uh, it, it, America has been based on every generation doing better than the one before them. And now that's over, you know? So it, it's, it's uh, you know, it's sort of a dark thing, but I just like my position is that uh, I don't want, I don't want to have it on my conscience that I created a person to struggle you know, it's, but by the way, at least you at least, you know, and you are putting yourself first, by the way, yes, which Cheryl, is a good that's, thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It, it's dark as it sounds. It sounds very selfless and not mm -hmm. selfish totally. to say, hey, I, I, I don't see the coast is clear. You know, I don't see it. So I don't want to yeah. subject anyone to do to that. I mean, that's it, it is beautiful. You know, uh, we. AJ and I have kids, so hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully I mean, I have I have two girls, dark. and he has a daughter too. So I'm like, oh shit, here we like, go, honey, oh. you're screwed. <laughs> yep, yep. Hey, hey, girls, you're. F oh god. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's a tough I might one, join uh, your pool. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's definitely a, a, a tough one, and and then on top of that, but by the virtue of having kids, you take your heart 
and it's and it's outside of your body like that that level of vulnerability. that love yeah like it's just it's scary it's it's too scary man it's, totally man it, i can't i feel you like my dog i'm scared about how much i love my dog right. like that's me too. crazy <laughs> me too like dying if she gets hurt just for one second can we pause and acknowledge uh, so steve i'm a lyricist and can we just acknowledge the way he put it? You take your heart and put it outside of your body. That's fucking awesome. That yeah. is awesome. That's poetic. It's romantic. Scary as shit. It's I just profound, got chills. <laughs> but it's so. I love the way you said that because that's yeah. exactly yeah. what happens. It's a hundred percent. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. And yeah. I remember too. Uh, I want to be careful about not being insensitive uh, about about the pandemic, but. I couldn't help but feel curious when, uh, you know, when, when with all the numbers of, you know, like a, th a thousand people were dying of the coronavirus every day in America. Like my natural state of curiosity was to question how many people die, like just regular, you know, and. Um, what I learned was that the the last year that they have uh, real statistics for was 2018, and uh, that the death rates uh, are higher at, during different seasons. So, you know, you gotta factor that in. But but when you take the whole year of 2018 and average it out, I think it was roughly 7,500 people died in america uh every day wow. and, yeah and 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 then i wondered okay like so how many of the people who die of coronavirus like would i mean maybe would have been in that 7500 anyway right 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 and and then but then, then all of this is completely besides the point because <laughs> no i love it but no but 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 the but the really shocking thing that came out of this little inquiry of mine yeah. was that that 7,500 people die in America and every day 11,000 are born. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, wow. Every so day 11,000? I, I think that's what it was in 2018. What? Every day 11,000. Because like we were talking to this therapist last uh, podcast that she's like, yeah, actually it's not like a lot of people are saying like baby making, coronavirus. Like, actually a lot of people are having less sex right now than anything. It just happens right. to be, you know. Anyway, I could talk to you forever, dude. Yeah, listen, man, thank you so much. Wait, hold on. For... Tell us about your podcast oh, no, yeah. real quick. Uh, yes, please. Sure. I mean, I, I've been doing it uh, since it, it just turned out that uh, I was going to do it anyway. We had a few episodes in the can. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, I launched my podcast, I think, back in March. I think awesome. uh, it was actually, like, right at the very beginning of, uh, of the pandemic. And now I, I put one up every single week. What's it uh, called? It's called Wild Ride with Steve-O. <laughs> and uh, we've got in the can, or er, uh, the, I want to say uh, episode number 37 with Adam Carolla goes oh, up. I love that guy. Nice. Oh, oh yeah. He's the it best. Is. I mean, he's dude, it, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. It, it's crazy, like, how everybody in the world has a podcast. <laughs> totally. I was, I was just, yeah. I think, I, think uh, I heard, I heard that there are, 700,000 11, new podcasts yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah. 11,000 podcasts born a day That's every day. I believe it. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it's been a really uh, positive experience for me. And um, Are you going to do more stand-up? You're, you're hysterical. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I will. Went once, when uh, we, yeah. once it's okay to, to pack people into small spaces, I, I'm sure I'll be back at it. And in the meantime, yeah. I've been very fortunate that, mm -hmm. um, that, uh, the, the, this, this whole coronavirus situation forced me to stop touring and, uh, regroup and, and start the podcast and figure out how to release my, uh, my comedy special. 
which again, thank you for watching. If there's oh anything, my God. Oh, everyone, it's so good. everyone, you guys, everyone needs yeah. to watch it. It's so good. It's, it's so good. And you and bring so many people up on stage and you're like, just when you think like maybe, maybe, and then you bring them on. It's just like, it's great. It makes, it's a feel well, good. It's feel good. It's shocking. It's everything. It is. Well, it's it funny. Is. Yeah. And, and it's called gnarly, G-N-A-R-L-Y, gnarly. And uh, it's very much for adults only. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like perfect timing and you can see it uh at stevo.com which is my website and also dude uh continued success with everything i cannot wait for jackass 4 i cannot wait i'm sure everybody out there that's a massive fan cannot wait and again hats off to you man you are a gentleman a scholar yeah, um you're awesome. you know Good stories and, and, yeah. very, very and, cool. and we're going to wait for our invite to your podcast. <laughs> yes. Hello. Yes. Reciprocal. Okay. Yes. 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 Well, we would love to ask the questions. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you guys so much. It's been a it's been a treat. And and again, congratulations on uh, the you know the the meteoric launch into the podcast space. It's really it's really great. Thank well, you. Thank you, man. Thank it's, you. Happy thank holidays. You We're in good company with you, brother. So thanks. Yeah. Thank right you for on, doing man. this. For sure, of course. Cheers. Yep. Bye. Take care, guys. Cheers, brother. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. My name is Johnny B. Good. And I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, that was pretty freaking epic. Um, Thank you so much, Steve-O, for coming on Pretty Messed Up. Um, I mean, wow, I thought 
our 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 lives were pretty messed up. But um, I, I don't know. You've 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 been through it, my man, and you came out the other side. Um, wow. So thank you again. Um, so now, uh, as we always do, we are going to answer some of your questions that you guys send in via email. Um, and thank you guys for continuing to do that. We'd love to hear from you. So um, this is from Danielle. Uh, I'll be entering the field of counseling soon. I was wondering throughout your journeys, when meeting with your counselors or therapists, what did they do or provide that was most helpful in your recovery? Well, first of all, shout out to Dr. Ann Wexler. I loved that episode. I thought that was one of my favorite episodes ever. I learned so much. Um, that was and very, I've been very in, educational. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, I, you know, for me, I've been in therapy since I was five years old. And, um, you know, coming from, you know, child abuse, my mom made sure that I was in therapy. And then moving, and then fast forward to moving here to Los Angeles, um, a friend actually suggested it to me that I start therapy again. And so then obviously it was my decision to start. And for me, I think therapy, like it's been hard. It was hard at first to find the right therapist. And then um, I found the one that was the right for me was the one that listened, that didn't judge. And um, I kind of tested her out by bringing my mom in and my family in. And then, you know, a good therapist is good when she doesn't take sides no matter what. Yeah. Uh, For me, you know, my therapist uh, that I no longer see, but I may decide to see again one day um, for for good reasons. I well, I spoke to her during uh, dancing, but. Um, no, but you know, I think one of the, one of the most, um, inf- like in influential statements that she said to me, um, that has definitely stuck with me. You know, I was always one that was, that was, uh, a self-sabotageur. Uh, I would love to, you know, if things were going great in my life, I didn't think that I was worth it and that I was good enough. So why, why should I accept that things are good in my life? So I'm going to just fuck it all up. Um, so she always used this great analogy of like me in a in a canoe rowing with the current and that me and that and that current is everything good in my life and then all of a sudden i decide to turn around and try to swim back upstream and and that's almost it's almost literally it's it's pretty much physically impossible so but i tried and that was when i would just destroy everything relationships friendships you you know name it but a therapist to me, again, like, you know, one of the things that, you know, Cheryl said, which I think is really key is that a really good therapist, I think, or counselor is someone who's very impartial, um, especially when you bring in family or your husband or your spouse, um, you know, and just to always keep like a neutral playing field. Um, but again, I, I, I do think therapy is is very is, is a is a very good thing to have. If you can afford it, I say do it. Um, you know, because it, it can help some, some, you know, people out there. So I will, I will go with what, what Cheryl said, you know, I think it's, it's imperative as a counselor or therapist to be a good listener. You know, I've had different therapists over my lifetime and, and some of them you could tell weren't listening. You could, you could be pouring out your, your guts and they're like, Oh, you know what? Time's up. We got to go. And I realized, whoa, they, they really weren't listening. Or I'd ask them a question and they would get, I, I realized they weren't listening. Mm-hmm. So I, I think listening and a good bedside manner, I think, mm-hmm. is important. Someone that you feel but cares. But still human, right? They like cares, still, yeah. Still, yes, yeah. yes. That's it. Human, not clinical, but human. Like you're making a connection with another human being. I think those, those are key qualities for a good counselor therapist. Well, good luck, Danielle, and uh, I hope it all works out. And uh, who knows? You you might be one of our therapists down the road someday. You never yeah. know. It, it could <laughs> it could happen. I definitely um, had a therapist named Danielle, but... Not okay. the same one, I don't think. Probably not. Um, should we move on to Kelly? <laughs> yes. Okay, Go so ahead. her sure question there. is, I come from a line of alcoholics on my dad's side, including my dad. I have a self-admitted addictive personality, so I generally try to steer clear of drinking. Do any of you have a family history with drugs, alcohol, and did this affect your relationship with either of those things? If so, how? Well, my father was an alcoholic. Um, I'm not sure. Like, I keep going back and forth. Like, are you, is it hereditary or is it not? I mean, I don't really, look, I, I think that's a whole nother talking uh, 
subject and point that we could discuss later down the road. But, um, you know, it, it did affect my relationship with my dad. My dad left my mother when I was two years old and he was a womanizer. And I think that that obviously helped. The alcohol helped. Um, he hated his life and he always told me, you know, before he passed away that he couldn't wait until he died, that he felt like he was living his hell um, by being here, um, on this planet. And, you know, he was a very successful lawyer and then he moved to, um, Thailand to follow his passion, excuse my language, which was pussy. And he opened up a (laughs) bunch of strip clubs (laughs) and like my dad and I were best friends. Like, but at the end of the day, yeah, absolutely. I think the alcohol helped him, um, function, I guess in a weird way. Cheryl, I love you. I love love the way you say things. (laughs) (laughs) It's there is always the same yes. tone though. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, um, you know, I, I actually forgot until recently, uh, I actually recently reconnected with my aunt and my uncle and my aunt just celebrated 44 years sober. And, uh, you know, so I, I never saw her actively drinking. I did see my uncle, but he is sober today and it definitely affects the family dynamic a lot. Um, you know, but I don't, again, I think, I think for me, I think based on trauma, based on my environment, based on every little thing that, that has gone on in my life since I can remember up until I first took my first drink, I was pretty much destined to go down this road. Um, you know, and I have no regrets. I am who I am today because of it. And, you know, I came out the other side. Thank God. So. I would just I, I would just like to say I agree with you, Cheryl and AJ both. We should do an in-depth about whether or not it's nature or nurture or a combination of the two because my parents didn't drink or use at all, nothing, right? So, and I turned out to be the way I am. So, that's a you're right. That's great. a whole not <laughs> That's a whole Yeah, he turned out I all mean, right. Look yeah. at where you live. <laughs> yes, yes. You turned out so good, you have a moose head on the wall. Behind right. you, yeah. Right. Only, only royalty has moose heads. All right, okay. you guys, listen. Thank you guys so much again for tuning in to Pretty Messed Up on iHeartRadio. And we will see you guys very soon. Thank you guys. God bless. Follow Pretty Messed Up on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 